The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Please tell me that's on video. I've never been happier. I'm made for a fucking podcast. <laughs> it's dangerous. Listen to me, we're out of here. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Uh, Matt and I are actually, not that anybody who's hearing this or seeing this knows or gives a shit, but we're starting a few minutes early, which Matt, let's be honest, for you and me, that's a big deal. Um, a lot of fights to talk about. Uh, Volkanovsky against Chan Sung Jung. And of course, uh, Aljo against Piotr Jan. And our guest today, we have Donald Trump Jr. coming on, who was, uh, who was my neighbor at one point and who I like a lot. And, um, and his father was very, very instrumental in helping the UFC when they were uh, when they were young and also John Anik, who I would love to talk about some of these fights with. So, Matt, did you watch as we're as we're speaking right now, as we're doing this? <laughs> you know, sometimes I can't do two things at once. Sure. I understand. Um, I, I'm, I'm texting back Aljo, the champion. Ah, champion. I'm in a group text and they're asking if 6, 6 p.m. works. And I'm like, yes. Well, you for what? Right? What are we doing? What, what are we doing? Well, Six PM. What's going on? What are we doing? You were in the group. Well, well, let me tell you what what he's what we're doing is we're we're the fight team. We're going to Eddie's. Eddie's for pizza. Yeah. Awesome. Tell Aljo oh, congratulations. Hi, man. And I can't wait to have pizza tonight. Um, I'm doing the show right now. I'm telling him I'm doing the podcast right now. Yeah, Jimmy says congratulations, and he can't wait for pizza tonight. Uh, listen to me. I'm not going to tell him that. Why? You want me to surprise him? Uh, I, I'm gonna finish this text later because you know I can't do. Yeah, it. I understand. It's difficult. And I got people texting me, back. but listen to me, Jimmy. Yes, Aldo is the champ. I yes, don't want no bullshit. I went back and I watched that round one again, and it really comes down to that because I mean, first of all, you could say, "Oh well, how could you give a a ten eight round for those for three and for two and three? You really could though. You could make a case for it where there was a total. Uh, it was total control. Yeah, I mean, you could um, argue that that uh, maybe Peter that first round. Uh, you know, I'm, I'll get to the first round in a second. Sure, but those other the two and three, there wasn't. I don't think there was a strike landed, but there was such total control where if they did not 
separate Aljo from his back, he'd still be on his fucking back. Yeah. But there was no sign of Peter getting out of that. That makes me so claustrophobic too. When I see that, uh, that, that leg lock around the body and the restricting the breathing like a boa constrictor, and it just looks so uncomfortable. Um, I, 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 I respected Jan's defense too, because Aljo was all over him. And I was like, he's doing a good job of, of stopping a, a guy in the second round when they weren't, I guess they were still a little bit dry. Man, all I know is that second round when he got that takedown, I was watching it with Edwin my brother-in-law and I just got up and I'm just like, ah, you fucked. I think I yelled that. <laughs> I think that might've been my exact words. <laughs> and uh, yeah. listen, there's no, it's not like I'm telling anybody they don't, they what something they don't know, you know? Right. Uh, I, I've, I've stated many times before how uh, Aljo's mount, his jujitsu in general, but specifically these positions, the, and they happen to be the best positions positions for a fight. His mount and his back take, his back control. They're second to none. They're up. They're up there, man. And when I mean second to none, I mean they're up there. Yeah. World class. Yeah. World class. Where you know he gets that position, and I and I've stated this many times before. He's gonna win the fight, and if not the fight, he's winning that round. Now I've said that, and that's uh, people could point to the fight and be like, well, duh. But I mean, the, the point is that's ha- it's like it's like having it's like having a guy like let's listen. These guys might be better than a guy in these areas, but he has this like knockout power with his right hand. So like Aljo has these positions that he possesses and the wrestling to get it to those positions. So it's he, I mean it, when you have somebody you're fighting like that and you know they have that in their back pocket. That's what I loved about the first round when Aljo shot and even though he did not get the takedown, it made it, it's it's something for for Peter to think about. Yeah. And I was impressed with Aljo's movement. And, and if I remember watching the fight, I remember thinking Aljo won the first round when it happened. Uh, I, his movement was really great. Jan couldn't seem to get done what he wanted to get done. Um, I thought I thought the whatever plan he had uh, was really smart going in. So, yeah, I, I was very comfortable giving him that first round. Man, it was, then it really comes down. What, so what does it come down to? I mean, it comes down to. I mean, it comes down to the first round. Yeah, I think so. We're going to look. It has to. I mean, the last two Aljo gave away, you know, um, admittedly so. But, you know, that first round, it comes down to that. So I rewatched it and it's like, all right, are you going to, all right. Uh, Peter Jan was stalking him. He was stalking Aljo. Yeah. Aljo was using his footwork. And it wasn't like he was just staying away. He was, he was avoiding strikes. Peter didn't land anything. When they laid, ooh, Aljo rolled with things. It was, he didn't land anything clean. Aljo landed the cleanest strikes. What is, let me ask you, when a guy is coming like Piotr Jan is coming at him, and, and, and Aljo is smart, he's moving left to right, he's, he's really making him just follow him all over the cage. What is the way to stop a guy from coming forward like that? Like, do you just kind of have to stand there and engage and push him back? Or what do you do when a guy is doing that to you? Well, I mean, it depends on the fighter. Me, yeah. I I can't use footwork like Aljo. I'd have to push him back with a double, triple jab and engage in him because I don't have nobody. A lot of guys don't possess the footwork. Like right. Aljo could, he could be all over that cage. It looks like he's just hopping around. He's all over. He's got footwork. He's got the range. His range was very good. He was giving off good, um, good feints. He was getting, he, he was feeling about, it was, it was the first round was very, um, it was very telling. I'm like, like, look, this is this is the way Peter Jan fights, but yet he's not getting through. And the one thing you'll notice, Alger wasn't too anxious. Right. He wasn't in that first round, he was like almost trying to get him out of there. He was just like the first round. 
and he had that foot on the gas. It looks like he was really his. I, it looked to me that like the Aljo that was supposed to show up in that first fight. That's what it looked like. Aljo was not bullshitting when he said it wasn't him in that first fight. He, he was off. Something was a little right. Wrong. You know what I mean? So, hey man, all I know is I couldn't be happier. Yeah, yeah, I was really happy for him. Yeah, he gave the he gave the high ten thing right there. I told him we're talking about him now. His ears are probably ringing. But listen, man, this kid grew up in um, but not the best circumstances, and you know now to see him, you know, have to go through all that shit where, you know, Peter Yan made a foul and everybody's looking at Aljo as a fucking. You got guys like Big John McCarthy saying, "Oh, you know, I'm not saying he's an actor or something." You know, they're all acting like they're making it like he's lying that he's. Right. I mean, everybody lost the fact that the other guy cheated and everybody shit on Aljo. Right, right, right. Yeah. I didn't do it's not like the guy did what TJ Dillashaw or he was cheating like that. People, people like that guy better. It's like, what the fuck is going on here? So yeah. and there's no way Aljo wanted to win the belt that way. I mean, that's not how you want to win the belt. You want to win the belt. Like you, you know, it's one of the it was a stupid move by Piotr Jan. It was a stupid move. He's he's a professional fighter. You can't knee a guy in the head when he's on the ground. It was an amazing night of fights yeah agree and uh you know what i might be doing jimmy what we going straight to ac and i'm thinking i'm thinking out loud now because i got i got to go to eddie's with the fight team and i'm thinking i might be because i got i got my my little brother-in-law fighting oh okay my little 300 pound brother-in-law now i got edwin fighting this weekend uh coming up He's fighting in uh, Cage Fury, and some of all the guys are fighting on there also. By the way, we were good luck for Alexi Olnick. How good did he look against uh, Jared Vanderoff? You, you saw the fight. Oh, dude, listen. I, I'm a big fan of, of – I mean, I love everything about this guy. Yeah. And first of all, I loved interviewing him. He was like, what a, what a nice guy. Wasn't, am I crazy or did he look a lot smaller than Jared? You're not crazy. He, he did, right? Like, damn, does he have some – I love his grappling. I love his MMA grappling. I do, Jimmy. Yeah, I know I you I love do. backstage how they were going over his his Ezekiel choke backstage with him. Did you notice that? I did not know. Oh, Jimmy, you should video – you should uh, watch the clip of that. See, I didn't see I'm it. Right, watch it. But, you know, I mean, guys, find that for Jimmy. Yeah, if I can watch it now. If not, I'll watch it after because I will watch it. Well, it's cool. It shows the respect. Speaking of respect. Yes. Respect earned. <laughs> Look what Dennis Bazooka did, like a little pizza party because we're going to have pizza. I, like pizza I can't wait to see him. Yay. All right, listen, Don, we're going to talk more about this. Yes. Don Jr. Do I call him Don Jr.? What do we call him? Um, I should have. See, I'm so stupid when you asked. I said, I'll just call him Don, but I should have lied and said he likes it when you call him baby. I should have said that. That would have been really uh, humiliating. Yo, man, <laughs> let's get, let's get, uh, yeah, bring him in. Donald Trump Jr. in. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. By the way, congratulations to Volkanovsky. Um, I wanted to see Chan Sung Jung, but uh, Volkanovsky was, was just devastating. Um, and, you know, and he absolutely, there was, it was, they were, Herb was right to stop it when he did. Oh, we're going to talk more about that. There he is. Oh, man, it's exciting. And he disappeared. All he right. saw your face, Jimmy. He saw your face. You have that effect on people, Jim. I know. They just turn off their computers angrily and march out of the room. How you doing, man? Doing well, man. How you doing? Very good. Uh, where are you now? Are you in New York? Uh, yeah, actually a rare, rare day that I came up to New York, but, uh, you know, living in the, the free state of Florida uh, these days, it's been a nice welcome change. Yeah. Do you miss New York at all? I mean, if you're gone, uh, I mean, don't you ever just miss being here? Because I like Florida, but y- y- you got to miss just being here in the atmosphere. Uh, not even a little bit. <laughs> really? You okay. know, I know. Listen, I, was, I was I was lifetime and left, you know, over a year ago, left, you know, basically, uh, you know, start of uh, end of 2020, I guess. And, uh, it's just been great, man. You go out, you know, down there, you, know, you don't have like the, the mask sociopaths, the restaurants are open, people have a good time, the standard, it's just, it's so different. Now, I think also, I listen, politically, it's also different, right? I go down right. there and like, I have a hard time paying for my own dinner. It's just, it's a different, it's a different vibe when you walk into a restaurant and people stand up and give you a standing ovation or you start getting high fives and letters and notes, you know, past you. Uh, so maybe it's just different that way. But, you know, I, I don't Wait, are you saying they don't pay for your dinner in Portland? If you go there, they're not happy to see you in Portland. <laughs> I haven't been there in a while. I, I figured I, I didn't want to run from the people and you know carrying burning steaks and pitchforks. Uh, that maybe a good way to get my ass back in shape. Well, are you in New York? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you too. Um, are you, did you ever train? Because I know your father was very involved with, like, he was good to UFC, and that's why one of the reasons Dana loves him so much. Uh, on the early days, did you ever train or think about training? Uh, not as much, you know, full MMA, but I, I used to do, yeah, you know, I wrestled growing up. Uh, and then I did, you know, Muay Thai for some years uh, after that. So I had, a, you know, a little ground game, a little stand up game, you know, worked in a bar. So uh, for, you know, 18 months uh, out of college. So, you know, I had, <laughs> had some practice, though, usually unofficial. You know, yeah. I'm sorry, Jimmy. Okay, nice to meet you, by the way. Uh, Likewise. Hey, um, Matt. Very good. Very good. Let me ask you, did you ever. I guess you could never predict that people were going to be so one side or the other with your father until he actually ran for president. Is that right? Because I remember everybody loving your father. I don't remember. everybody. I mean, now it's either one side or the other. Did we did you guys know going in like, hey, look, because I know your life personally must have changed drastically, especially with everything. Did you guys know it was going to be this kind of. Yeah. So funny story. You know, I, I wrote about it actually in my book when I first came out because it was one of the, you know, we see a lot of weird stuff, a lot of cool stuff, got to, you know, be a fly on the wall on some pretty interesting shit. And the, the one that actually got me the most was the day my father announced, June 16th, 2015. We were going down in the elevator as a family and everyone was like, you know, so what did you discuss? You know, how long was he asking you about doing this? I was like, ah, I wasn't really like, you know, he, wait, like we're doing this and that's what it was. But uh, we go down in the elevator 
Uh, and I just remember him looking at me and he just goes, and now we find out who our real friends are, which was really cool. Like he knew it right off the bat, meaning I was like, okay, I, yeah, we'll be a little polarizing. He started getting a little bit more vocal, uh, you know, before then. Uh, but what was kind of cool about it was like, he knew it would change, but more importantly, he knew it would change and it would be different, but he did it anyway, because it was something that needed to be done. Uh, you know, but yeah, like, listen, all, half the rappers and these guys that have come out and they're so against it. Like I've had dinner with these guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, 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 they were at like my dad's wedding. You know what I mean? Oh, oh no. And then so much has changed from, you know, uh, you know, from when I saw you guys kissing ass for the last 10 years, like, it, you just see how phony it is. And that's, you know, the reality is there's just a consequence to being on one side. Whereas, you know, you see the stuff going on in the news today with the left. I mean, they're, yeah, it's okay to be a pedophile. It's not really that big a deal. It's like, like, you, you it's insane. You know, like, so there's no consequence to being insane that way. But there is, uh, if you're even moderately conservative on the other side. And so uh, it was, a, it was definitely a big change. Like, I, you know, growing up and just, you know, being in my 20s here when I was young and single, like, you know, any club, any restaurant, it was like, oh, what, what were you like? You know, whatever you wanted. And then it, uh, you know, then it changes. But it's actually kind of good. What was interesting about it for me, um, being someone who sort of grew up always conservative, I'm sort of an outdoors guy. I, was, I took my weekends and, you know, live in sort of the redneck part of New York and then just worked, uh, you know, during the week here. Uh, what was great about it was sort of it became so binary. It was one or the other that you actually got rid of the, sort of the friends that you have like lunch with once a year that you didn't really ever want to go, but it's like, okay, it's a friend and there's history. So you do it anyway. So it was kind of cathartic. You really sort of weeded out the guys that weren't actually friends because uh, anyone who knew me knew that I was already conservative. So now that just because I'm vocal about it, if that's going to change your opinion of me, then I don't really need you in my life. Did any, and I and I know you're a friend with uh, like I know you, you're uh, you're a friend with Colby and you know you like again you, I'm sure you've made newer friends too. Uh, is it weird for you when it's two guys? Like I know you like Jorge Masvidal and I know you like Colby. And I've had this doing the podcast where all of a sudden I'm interviewing two different guys who I like a lot and then they're going to fight. Is it hard for you when it's two guys you really like fighting? How do you enjoy it? It, it is actually because like they're they're both buddies of mine. You know, I, I've spent quite a bit of time with all of them. I mean, I've campaigned with. I mean, Jorge. I spent th like a couple of days on a bus with Jorge. I mean, and just you know voluntarily. And he's got an incredible story. And you know, as a as a sort of son of an immigrant and uh, really amazing stuff. And a, a lot of you know, Colby sort of came out and you know some of it's shtick, right? You see that part, like, and then you know, I've spent time at a, a you know at a table with Colby when you, you're talking like fight strategy and analyzing it, and he's actually a pretty cerebral guy looking at these things really you know there, there's sort of the two different personalities and jorge is actually very much the same way uh you know so yeah it, it's weird because it's like well they're like who are you rooting for i'm like you know i'm just i, I sort of want a good outcome for both and i you know you, you're just not going to get that usually in a fight game right i mean uh so uh yeah definitely uh definitely difficult and i you know i'm friends with a lot of those guys i mean you know just uh, you talked about sort of Dana and like, you know, we, I think we hosted like UFC two or three. Like I remember being at UFC, like I think it was three. Um, and like Tank Abbott was sitting next to my brother and I, and he took his dentures out and like put them on the chair <laughs> as a placeholder <laughs> for some girl he picked up at the bar earlier. Like it was a different game back then, you know what I mean? Uh, it, both in terms of style training and otherwise, but I'm just like, I was in my like early teens and I was like, that's pretty cool, but also weird yeah. as hell. You know how confident you have to be to meet a girl at the bar and say, yeah, yeah. If I'm not there, just sit where the teeth are. That's the scene I say <laughs> yeah. for you. That's yeah. balls and that's confidence. Yes.
So you would go when you were a kid. Um, I know you, again, uh, boxing and, and, and a lot of combat sports, but were you going to fights when you were younger? Did you kind of get into it a little bit or, or did you just oh, yeah. uh, I mean, watch I, it from afar? No, I, my dad always took us, you know, you know, Atlantic City, right? You had all, a lot of great fights, uh, even a lot of the smaller fights that probably, you know, never got quite, you know, the, the notoriety, but you, you know, sort of like, you know, shaped my opinion on boxing and some of the fight sports. After college, I'd go to some of the, like the smokers up in like the Bronx and stuff like that. I was really into it. And I've, I've always sort of appreciated, uh, you know, all the sort of combat sports and just, you know, re- really loved it. But I mean, what, what they've done with the UFC is absolutely amazing. I mean, it's, it's really incredible. And it's funny. I'm sorry, Jimmy. From, no. the very, from the very beginning, when I was fighting, my very first fight, 2001, was at the Trump Taj Mahal in uh, Atlantic yeah. City. And this was a time when Dana and, and the Fatidas were – they made a thing where they're running towards the commission, not away from it. It was something like that, where back in the day, those Tank Abbott days, it was known for being no holds barred. And oh, yeah. before we turned it into mixed martial arts, I, you know, I say we, with Dana and Zufer. And so, you know. Well, wait, you guys were part of it. I mean, you fought some of the legendary guys that sort of took it from that, you know, from a, you know, a professional bar fight to you know, real technique. And, you know, the, the reality is, you know, today, the guys, it's just, it's a different game. You know, a, a Tank Abbott, who was legendary at the time, wouldn't, it, it, it wouldn't play today. True. Uh, it, True. It, 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 you know, I, I say that with total respect for guys that yeah. sort of help create this sport, but like, it's just different. You know, the, the level of, uh, di- you can't just be, you know, when they used to recruit sort of the wrestler, be like, well, someone hurt himself. So like, you're a wrestler, like figure out how to punch someone if you get in there, if you can get them down and you can actually still do well. I mean, now, that doesn't mean that wrestling's not an awesome foundation, whether it be for discipline, speed, training, everything you need in the game, but you, you need to be versed in everything. Uh, and and you, you probably didn't need to that. I mean, I remember some of the stuff where it was almost like a round robin. Guys would fight multiple times in a night. Or you'd almost, you know, weight class wasn't really a thing. It just didn't matter. And I mean, it was it was incredible. But, it, like you know, I think today with the level of skill that you have, people would probably be getting killed. Oh, yeah. There was no uh, longevity in that, in that. That was a freak show. So they were Zufer, Dana, the Fatitas, they wanted to make it a legit sport, which it is today. And yeah. it was with the help of your father. I remember they had a hard time getting places. So yeah. to, to hold events. Yeah. Back. My, my father's like, Hey, you know, Dana just, it's been awesome. Cause Hey, it'd be really easy. And it's not really his personality anyway, but I mean, the media probably gave him every opportunity over the last six years to try to shit on Trump and he could get some free points by saying something. And man, he, He's been nothing but, you know, nothing but loyal and admirable. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. He's just a good dude. And, and you guys went to fight. How many did you go to when your father was uh, president? Did you go to one or two fights? Well, I, I went to one with my father. Uh, uh, that was like, I, I guess it was Jorge, Nate Diaz. Right. Uh, and, and that sort of that started my relationship with Jorge because I didn't know. And, you know, a lot, it's sort of interesting. There's a lot of the MMA guys that, you know, follow me and we sort of go in back and forth and DM. And a lot of guys you probably wouldn't think. Um, you know, I won't call them out because, you know, who knows, everyone's got a sort of a, you know, their, their own image to protect, but like, it, it seems like a sport that sort of gravitated a little bit more towards, you know, conservative than like the team sports. Uh, and so a lot of those guys sort of back and forth, uh, with us, but yeah, so I, I saw the commentary afterwards, uh, and, and it was, uh, Jorge, I guess, talking about DJT and he's, you know, you know, Hey man, you, you can say what you want about the politics, but that is one bad MF or like, you know, <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. Like that was pretty cool. So I, I guess he was following me in his bed. So I was like, Hey man, that was awesome. Thanks a lot. We just sort of went back and forth, started talking. He's like, Hey, anything I can do for you guys in Florida. And like, like I said, we spent a couple of days on a campaign bus, uh, you know, from that point on. So 
uh, you know, really good dude. Isn't it weird too, when you meet people, and I know you've had this experience long before this part of your life, just from being uh, the apprentice and all of this stuff. Isn't it weird when you meet people and you, they're people you've already admired and they turn out to be like, oh, thank God that guy's not an asshole. Like, I'm so happy he's a cool yeah. guy. I wanted to like him and I do. A hundred percent. And it's usually the opposite. You know, everyone's like, oh, that guy must be like, and I'm like, dude, I've spent time with him. Just, you know, and again, they may treat my father great or me nice, but then you see him treat the waiter like shit. And that, you know, that pisses me off more than anything. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and so, you know, usually the guys at a, at a certain way, you know, at a certain celebrity status or whatever, it's usually the opposite of what you want it to be. But yeah, it, I'm in it with a lot of those guys, it, you know, nothing but good things to say, which is kind of cool. And I think maybe, you know, there's something about, you know, the MMA stuff that I think is just different than a lot of the other sports. And maybe it's, you know, again, the individual nature of it, whatever it may be, it's sort of, it's on your own. You can't blame a team. You can't bitch about a coach doing something wrong. Like it's sort of on you. Uh, and, and I think it's just, a, it's an entirely different mindset. What do you think too? this? Is like, just from a business point of view too, cause UFC, like, you know, where it came from and where it is yeah. now, they made so many right moves. And as a fan, for me, the thing that I like, besides the fact that the fighters are all down to earth, nice guys, which I think rolls very downhill from Dana. They, he treats the fans well. They all treat the fans well. And they give you fights you want. Like, that's why they yeah. get you invested. What, what do you think it is from a business point of view that has made them so successful? And boxing is still boxing, but it's not what it was at one point. Yeah, like, listen, I, well, part of it, again, if I go back to, like, literally when I was, like, you know, 10 years old and 12, you're starting to go to these fights. I was at Tyson Spinks and somebody. I saw a lot of fights where you yeah. could see, you know, I'm sitting next to Lennox Lewis and he's scoring a fight. I sort of learned how to score him. And, you know, and I'm like, and he has a fight, you know, one way or the other, you know, like clear. And I'm like, right. okay. And then the judges go exactly the opposite. They're like, well, and he's like, yeah, well, that guy's got the bigger manager. And so who with the best manager wins if it goes to the end? It's like, you know, nine, eight, nine, eight, nine, eight, nine. The, the judges go the opposite. I'm like, ah, you know, I, I got a little bit, uh, I think jaded with boxing, which is, which is a sport. I really loved and appreciated every aspect of it, but, it, it seemed UFC didn't have as much of the politics sort of involved in a decision. You know, if you did your job and you won, you usually won. That right. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying there hasn't been, you know, controversial calls or controversial stoppages. But when you're sitting next to three heavyweight champions of the world and they all score a match one way and you see it go exactly the opposite and everyone's like, you see the whole crowd boot and you see it often enough. You're like, eh. Yeah, uh, it, 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 it was just a lot different. And I didn't see that. I'm not, again, I'm not saying it doesn't happen in the UFC right. or there's, you know, there's bad calls. There's good stoppages this weekend. I didn't get to see it. I saw it afterwards. It seemed, uh, it, it seemed good. You know, there, there's always bad ones. I, you know, I, I mean, they, when they stopped the Nate Diaz fight where I met, you know, after that I met Jorge with, you know, in New York city, like, uh, you know, people were, you know, it was controversial at the time and then they realized, Oh no, it was actually good. But you know, it, it's hard to judge it there, but with boxing, it just always felt that, way too much politics infused into who the victor actually is going to be. And I didn't like that aspect of it. And I think that's where UFC, you know, if you won, you won, generally speaking. Uh, and, and I think, you know, that brought over a lot of people that probably got jaded, uh, you know, with boxing when it, when it went a little bit nuts. Yeah, I 100% agree with you too. And, and there's a couple of, uh, there was one, I want to say it was Triple G and Alvarez in um, Vegas. And I think it was, a, it might've been a split decision, but there was a, one of the judges voted. I, I mean, it was so egregiously, bad that I was like, I just yeah. can't enjoy this sport anymore. Um, you know, it, it just, it just, I can't Tyson Spinks. I hope nobody was had Spinks in that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was there and like, listen, I was young. This is like early, when it was 80s. Uh, man, I, 
I was really young. I think it was like my first trip to Vegas and I was, I was all excited to go, you know, go into this fight and, you know, you know 90 seconds. And I was like, that, that's, we, we did, we traveled, you know, like, did we travel that far for this? Like, and traveling then was different. Like you didn't have iPads and stuff like that. Like you sat your ass on a plane for five hours. and went yeah. to Vegas with people smoking next to you. It was, it was a little different. <laughs> Yeah, that happened to me when I went out to see, uh, I think it was McGregor, Jose Aldo. I watched that 13 seconds. It's yeah. finished. I've never seen uh, Mike fight in, in, in person. I've never seen a Tyson fight live, but I heard that him walking into the ring, there's something about that. They said that there's no entrance like Mike Tyson's entrance. It, it was it was awesome. You know, I saw you know, Tyson's things, Tyson McNeely, uh, you know, a couple others in there. You know, most of the, you know, I, I got blessed with getting to go to the ones that were over in, you know, uh, under two minutes. Uh, but yes, there was something, there was something different. When he came in the ring, you just, you know, you knew he was going to win. He knew he was going to win. His opponent knew he was going to win. <laughs> it was like, uh, it, it, it was a, it was a, just a different level. And you were, uh, you and your dad had something to do with the uh, Holyfield, the Vitor Belfort. Did you guys do full commentary on that or partial commentary or what did you do for that? Yeah, we did. You know, I, I'm friendly with some of the guys over at Triller and they were like, hey, would you would you do this? Would you? And I actually thought it'd be kind of cool. And what, what's really interesting, because my, like my father, much more than me, like his sort of his fight knowledge is incredible. I mean, he, he remembers all those those guys. And, and don't forget, he's got backstories to all of I mean, because he was negotiating the deals for some of these right. fights. And, you know, uh, Don King's been on our you know, We've had dinner with Don King a thousand times and just. I mean, I got stories for that, not for a podcast, but (laughs) (laughs) maybe if I ever do my own one day, uh, there's some incredible ones there. But so, you know, his fight knowledge is so good, both, you know, whether it even be technique wise or just the story and the history of sort of, you know, boxing in a heyday, you know, that sort of, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s. It's sort of, you know, amazing to actually hear him talk about it because I don't think anyone my dad's a super like fan when it comes to sports and stuff like that. And his knowledge, really all the major sports, uh, but with, with fighting, just cause he was so intimately involved in it. Um, th- there's just some great history. Like there were pro fighters there that were like, Holy shit. Like th- this guy knows more about fighting than I know. And it, it, it was sort of interesting. So I, I thought it'd actually be cool for other people to see that. And you watch it. Is it hard to like, I, I always think commentating like, you know, Rogan and, and, and John Anik, who we have on later, these guys are so good. And it's such a difficult thing to do to call a live fight. I mean, a baseball yeah. game I couldn't do. What, what was the experience like when you were doing it? Did you feel like, hey, this is harder than I thought or this is easier than I thought? Listen, I, you know, it, it was it was different. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't calling a fight like you'd be calling a sports game. I mean, it was a lot more sort of commentary in general. And because you know, again, because of that sort of knowledge of history, you could sort of incorporate things and tell the stories of some of the other great champions or the champions that wouldn't be. But I mean, because it, you know, it was Holyfield, he was like, well, here's what happened with Holyfield. And they're like, there, were, there was a professional commentator right there. And he's like, I, he literally was shocked at the, like, sort of my father's knowledge and the history and, you know, the, the different fights that he just remembered the intimate details of it. So it was actually cool, but it was much more conversational just based on that history, which made it cool than, you know, to sort of, well, there, there's a left jab to the, you know, it, it, it was different. Right. I because, yeah. I would have started that commentary on Holyfield by going, all right, well, first off, he's 60. <laughs> well, listen, I, I saw him, you know, just seeing Evander in that stand. I'd seen him fight too, you know, back when, you know, he would, he would do some damage. The guy looked amazing. I was like, if I could lock that in at 60, I'd do it. But, but yeah, you, you know, you see it in the fight and it's like, okay, well, that, you know, little, then, you know, you, you, it's hard. It's hard. It's a hard game to do. Uh, you know, at, at that age, no matter what. And then Vita's running around like he 
took out like a prime Mike Tyson or something. It's like, hey, Vitor, calm down. Stop well, doing yeah, you know, Vitor's only really you know, a, a couple of years out, out of being a real, uh, exactly. you know, re- real contender. So it, it is different. But, you know, Vitor's another super good dude that I really, you know, yeah. that, that I really like. Um, isn't know. he a big soap? Like, a, doesn't he have a big reality show? I forget what country. I, I don't know where he's from. Doesn't he have a big reality show overseas? Well, Vitor's Brazilian. But, yeah, he, he, I, I think he did. I'm not sure anymore because he lives in Florida now. So he... He's he's Florida full time, uh, you know. But uh, you know, super good guy. And then you had sort of Tito Ortiz with Anderson Silva, and that was that was really cool. Uh, but that I, like Anderson was a much better boxer than I knew. He he was sort of a good striker even even in his day. And then, but uh, you know that that was over pretty quickly. So you know, interesting to see. He had a big target though. That Ted Tito. People <laughs> <laughs> say I got a big head. Tito's. <laughs> When you when you're uh, when your dad won the election, like everyone thinks, what would I do if I had the type of access you get with being the son of the president? Was there anything that you thought like, okay, because my first thing would be fucking take me to Area 51. That's what I would want to do. Was there any temptation or desire to do stuff like that? You know, we we were just under such a lens. It's different. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if I had done one of the 50 Hunter Biden things, we've had this conversation in a different format. You know what I mean? But if I had done one of the things on the Hunter Biden laptop, like it would have been over, right? Like, yeah. Uh, so I've it, done it about 30. Different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying I haven't. I just, it's not on a laptop. Yeah. If, if I did it to me, I wasn't fucking videoing it. Okay. It's just, it's, it, yeah. it, you know, I'm not saying I was always an angel by any means, but you know, that, that, yeah. that, that he certainly took it to a whole new level. And I certainly wasn't taking billions from China or millions from Russia, Ukraine, and all these kind of things. I, it would have just been different. So, I was just very cognizant of that. I mean, you know, we got no credit for those things, but we stopped doing our international deals, which I that was a big part of what I did at the company and all that stuff. So, you know, we actually you know took that fairly seriously because we just knew we were under a different lens and we wouldn't get the benefit of the doubt. The per- the perception if you went there, like, would you have been able to? And I, I know it sounds I'm 53, and the fact that I'm asking another grown man this, it's childish. But like, would it? I would. That's what I would want to do. And that's the only thing I wanted to know. I was like aliens. Really, just, it is. Like, I I don't need to go to Area Fifty One. I just want to know, and like, you know, I got nothing. But uh, you know, did nobody want to tell you? Do you think, or did you actually ask people, like, hey, look? No, this, I actually asked. I actually interviewed my dad, and I was like, that's the only thing I want to know. Like, what's oh, up? right, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, but yeah, no, I mean, got to do some really cool stuff that just you know, just even just hanging out in the White House, or you know, taking off from the White House lawn in Marine One, or flying on Air Force One, or what? You know, some of those things. I just you know pretty cool you know americana you know type of stuff that is just like as a proud american i was like wow that is awesome i'm going to dc next week for to to perform and i always walk by the white house and look at the history there like you can't be in dc and not be awestruck by what like when you think about where i am and exactly what has happened here and what what happens here on a daily basis yeah no it's a it's a uh, so some of it competent, some of it not. Uh, sure. You know, it, you know, that, these days I'm awestruck at how stupid some people can be. It's almost hard to believe that these people could come to power. But it's a, uh, you know, th- that's for a different conversation. But yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty cool place. I want to ride in a motorcade. All right. Again, I'm a grown man. I'm saying that. How awesome is it to ride in a presidential motorcade? Uh, yeah, the presidential motorcade is insane, dude. It's like if it's if it's him and me and the beast. You know, there's two other beasts. And then you got team. It's like a 75 vehicle motorcade, multiple ambulances, the, you know, the, uh, you know, some of the, the heavy firepower and artillery that's following it. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. It is just like, wow. Uh, 
it, it, it was uh, it was very cool to be able to you know sit in that and just you know see that with your own eyes. It's amazing. Was this the first time you'd ever done it, or had you done it in, in some kind of a prior administration? No, no, no nothing, nothing like that. I mean, uh, that, that that was the first time. But yeah, it was a again, it was just cool to be a fly on the wall for some of that stuff and to be able to see it. Just as an American, it's like man, it's it's pretty cool. Do you ever miss too, like just as a guy, like you've been famous for a long time, long before this, you had a public life, people knew who you were, but do you, I remember seeing you in the airport one time and just having a chat and you were standing on line, I was standing on line and some people knew who you were, obviously I didn't, want, but there was no ill feelings or overwhelmingly, uh, the people were just like, oh yeah, there's Don Jr. Do you ever yeah. miss that being able to go out and not have a polarizing effect just by walking in? Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably why I'm in Florida, right? It's just, it's a different feeling. Although, I mean, I guess it's polarizing, but in a positive sense down right. there, right? It's, it's, it's much more one-sided. It's like, it's actually, I'm honestly, it's like hard to believe. And it's, you know, if I'm filling up my truck, you know, just there or at a nice restaurant, it's the same across every demographic down there. It's sort of, it's, uh, it, it's different. Uh, yeah, it's, it's harder now in the sense that even in, even in business, even with The Apprentice, like I'd get recognized, you know, if I was, you know, wearing a suit, but I could probably get away with it if I was wearing a hat and, and a t-shirt. No one would even, you know, they wouldn't make the connection. Like I have people that will pick me out in the airport wearing a mask and a hat, but I'll be like the last conservative dude in America wearing a mask for 20 years because I can still get away with it most. I actually, a lot of times in the airport now, when people pick you up with the mask and hat, you know, mandate, I'll put a mask and a hat on and you know, people are literally mostly picking me up if they hear me on the phone, just from my voice. From the voice. Yeah. And, and it's distinct enough that it, you know, they, they get it that way. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, just being able to go to dinner kind of quietly with your girlfriend or whatever, like yeah. that type of stuff, it probably goes away and can never return. It, yeah, it's it totally gone. Like, again, it's it's actually hard to hide. Even if I'm in random places wearing just, you know, my casual shit that I've been wearing on a weekend, like it's just that goes away entirely. But I guess you get to do fun shit. Like, again, like this, uh, politics is so in American life. It's every aspect of our lives now is kind of just it, it's saturated and like when you want to get away from that, just, as, just so you don't go crazy, what do you do when you're like, I got to put this down for a couple of days yeah. so I don't go lose my mind? Well, listen, I've always been an outdoorsman, right? So I'm, you know, I'm fishing, hunting, shooting, that kind of stuff. So I you know, go to my cabin and I, I can sort of, you know, th those are the places I get away or go, you know, my, my idea of a fun vacation is like drop me off in the Yukon with a backpack and a rifle and I'll like pick me up in two weeks. Like, you know, that's not for most people, but like that, that's where I sort of decompress from the craziness of the world. And like, you know, the interesting thing is what I actually like about politics is usually what the people certainly on our side aren't that good at, which is sort of just the, the combative nature of politics, right? Like everyone in politics wants to be loved. I don't actually give a shit. I, you know, I'm, I'm happy being loved by the guys that are like, yeah, I like Don because he'll actually fight as opposed to, you know, uh, trying to please everyone that you, you just can't in, again, in a more binary world, right? Uh, it, it's just a little bit different. So, uh, yeah, the, the anonymity is gone. You definitely miss it at times, but you know, it doesn't mean that there's not, you know, good stuff that comes along with that as well. Yeah, I guess so. I guess the, the, losing the privacy, um, getting to fly an Air Force One does kind of make losing the privacy yeah. worth it. <laughs> it's fair. If you, if you get a trade off something, I mean, that, that, that's a decent one. Well, before we let you go, Don, uh, I, of course, I have to ask you, do you, and I've asked you this before. Uh, first of all, before I ask you that, what do you think of Elon Musk buying into Twitter? Um, do yeah, you think that's a good thing? Listen, I, I hope so. You know, again, I, there, there, I have a couple thoughts. I'm not, you know, it seems like it's such a big purchase and everything like that, that it, it, it almost feels like there's, there has to be something prearranged. You know what I mean? I love that he's sort of fighting for free speech, but like, it also feels a little contrived to me. And again, and only because I've become sort of conspiratorial because 
I've seen what's going on for the last five years. Again, being in the room and then seeing what's reported, there's always there's right. always a catch. So I, I don't I don't you know I, I don't want to hang my hat on that everything. Oh, it's just going to be great. So I also though I, you know maybe he buys more of the company, but I think you know if you know Mark Zuckerberg wanted to change the policies at Facebook today, and he said you know I've been red pilled, uh, I'm in. I don't know that it matters. You know they got a hundred thousand employees that are literally just activists. Uh, you know you, you can't even. You know, you can't come out as a conservative working at these companies. They throw you out. I speak to guys, uh, you know, all the time. It's like, dude, I couldn't even, I couldn't even talk about that. I mean, we can force feed, you know, the trans shit to like, you know, a three year old, but you can't be a conservative as a twenty five year old working in Silicon Valley. It's a, um, you know, it's different. So I don't know that you could change the path of some of these companies anyway. I, I just think some of that that mentality uh, is so ingrained. In, in there either you know it has nothing to do with free speech they want free speech for people who are you know doing that but you can't have a corollary opinion if it if it goes against their politics or they'll do whatever they can to eat alive and kill you so you know i, I don't i don't know that it makes any difference i'd love to see it you, you know uh I, I think these platforms we we need this in america you look at what's going on in china right now you know they're locking people in buildings and you can't come out and it doesn't matter yeah. if you're starving if you come out we're gonna throw you in jail and throw away the key and we're gonna take your pets and i'm like honestly like you think there's not politicians in D.C. that given that power, given what we've seen, you know, over the last, you know, two, two and a half years that, that wouldn't love to have that level of power over their people. It's, it's scary stuff. So, you know, if you start seeing sort of the uh, the concept of free speech, uh, you know, being taken away, uh, being censored, uh, people getting canceled for having an opinion as opposed to yeah. you know, actually doing something that yeah, I mean, you've seen this in comedy. I mean, I don't even know how you do your, your shit anymore. Like, like I've achieved mediocrity. I've achieved mediocrity, yeah, so yeah. no one notices. That's the beautiful yeah. part. All, I the fly into the room. all the good comedians <laughs> stop being able to use good material, so you've actually thrived. It's a, it's yeah, oh, it <laughs> no one notices. I, I have to jump up to just touch mediocrity. All right, Don, look, uh, well, last question. Uh, did you ever think, do you think you would run? Would you ever run for any office? Nothing necessarily president, but is there something, it's got to be tempting on some level. You have a... Uh, yeah, like a, I said, uh, you know, I, I never want to rule it out. Uh, I, I don't have any desire to do it right now. I think the, the big part is, I like sort of fighting, you know, I, I like the, the sort of rough parts of the, I don't know that I want the day job right now. Does right. that make sense? Like yeah. you need both, you know, they're like, Oh, just run for Senate or I'm like, yeah, but then you got to go be a Senator for six years. I'm like, ah, you know, yeah. like I, I sort of like the campaigning. I love, I do, I do like, you know, like you for comedy, right? Like I like getting up on a stage and you know, you have 10,000 people in a crowd and like, I'm decent at firing up. I sort of found a skill I was actually pretty good at later on in life. Just I was, yeah. you know, thrown into the fire. Uh, and I've had a couple of your colleagues, actually, I, I won't call them out, but you'd probably know who they are on the conservative side, sure. you know, that I've shown up to my rallies and they're like, you know, it was actually some of the best compliments I've gotten. They're like, shit, man, I'm glad you didn't get into comedy because your timing <laughs> is so good. You actually, like, you know, so I like that aspect of the game. I, you know, it doesn't mean I wouldn't like the other aspect. I just got to know to myself that I'd actually want to do that part of it, too, because I think the reason we have such mediocrity in so many of our politicians on both sides, you know, sort of is because no one really wants to do the day job. They like sort of the perks and, you know, some dude from somewhere, like he became a congressman. So now someone's kissing his ass a little bit more than he'd ever get otherwise. But, you know, pretty basic and average dude without a really great skill set, but maybe he's good enough to get there. And then they just want to please everyone to stay there because, you know, now they're in the big leagues. It's like, I don't ever want to be that guy. If I'm going to get in there, I'm going to, you know, change things. All right, buddy. Jimmy, as a guy that's not really into politics, 
uh, Don, you, your father is hysterical, though. When I see these, when you're not used to watching, the, when you're watching these debates, and they can be boring. Yes. Yeah. Let's be honest, they're yeah. boring. They're very typical. When your father's on there, I, it's not that I'm watching a, a comedy show, but oh my goodness, the, the zingers he has with the, the timing when he's going to Hillary, and I'm like, <laughs> I go, this is actually yeah. like a, a, a comedy special. Because yeah. you'd be in jail. Yeah. You'd no, be in jail. Could be the best off-the-cuff <laughs> line, perfectly timed, ever said. The, Reagan had that title uh, for his, um, the, the old, the joke about, uh, well, who is he saying, well, I don't want to make his age or his inexperience an issue when, when he was talking yeah. about himself being old. But was your father it, yeah. said it off the cuff. So I, I think he yeah, took that he, title. he was good. At, I mean, it actually felt more like going to a fight. Right. It was yeah. different. You were, you, you were exchanging blows, but verbally and, you know, watching him get in the head of like, you know, Jeb, uh, you know, you, you could see the next day they would try to change up their commercials. Like when he was like, oh, it, like this is good. Like, Jeb, you know, what do you, what do you, no, you know, you came with some energy this time. I was a little worried. Like when people were falling asleep and you see the next day he's doing a commercial where he's like yeah. running down the road, trying to, you know, trying to look like he's a, because he was like, damn, he, he picked out the weakness uh, and he just crushed them with it you know what i mean it, it, it was just like a fight and what it shows you is too it's like you can't allow other people to dictate like the mistake those guys made is if as a comic if one person says to me hey wow your act was too dirty and then the next thing you know i'm trying to do seinfeld i'm gonna fall apart because i'm allowing yeah. somebody to tell me what i did wrong so yeah um anyway it's good to, to talking to you buddy i'm happy to see you as always you too guys good being with you we'll do it again sometime soon i would like that yeah take care don talk to you soon yeah. be good. all right be good man The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Mr. John Attic, how are you, buddy? Congratulations to the Matt Sarah Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, Aljamain Sterling. I mean, what an honor for me to be on with you guys today of all days. Are you kidding me? That was G Kundo. That was all long ago. That was no way as the way. That's what he did. Man. I did it. Come on, man. I'm so happy for you. Aljo's the champ, man. Yeah. And that's all you need to know. And Jimmy, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of discourse about the scoring. I don't even think it really matters, right? I mean, I know a lot of Russian fans aren't going to want to hear it, but like Piotr Jan has had a couple chances to go in there against Aljamain Sterling and um, hasn't, be able to pr- hasn't been able to produce a finish nor a win. And uh, yeah, it was a close fight, um, but Aljo won it. 
Yeah, Piotr will probably have to fight one or two more, and I'm sure he will do that. And if he wins, maybe he'll get another shot at the belt if Aljo is uh, champion. People would still like this because the first one was so crazy. Uh, the second one was very close. So I think people, if you give a couple of fights in between, would be very happy to see those guys run it back. Uh, and obviously, uh, Shemayev Gilbert Burns, uh, what an incredible fight. Um, I was really happy that went the distance. And Shemayev, look, I mean, he can do more than go uh, 30 seconds in a fight. I mean, he can win a really, really tough decision. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of layers to the Shemayev side. And his head coach, Andreas Michael, has come out and said some things on social media. Certainly, a lot of what Hamzat did sort of flew in the face of strategically what they were trying to do in this particular matchup. They also said Hamzat was operating at 40%. I guess that's neither here nor there, but you're right. I mean, he was tested. He was extended. He experienced adversity. And even if I wasn't leading the dance in terms of the people that thought he was going to be tested to this extent, you know, I certainly wasn't blind to the fact that the number two guy in the world who had had 17 UFC fights and who had fought for the title could actually give him a tough fight. Um, but yeah, valuable experience accrued for Kamzat Shimaev. And, you know, if people want to say this derails the hype, you're just not paying attention, you know? Um, and I would caution anyone who wants to sleep in him in, in his next fight against Colby Covington or anybody else. They gave Gilbert a lot of credit, man. Like, uh, before this fight, nobody saw any kind of, like, kink in the armor, you know? Nobody saw what we've seen. Now, now you didn't see any weaknesses, but you've seen him getting tested. You've seen how he's going to fight when he's hurt. You've seen how he reacts when he's hurt or getting a little tired. I mean, he, I mean, that, that was some fight. I mean, he did, he, you know, he gave some, but he took some. And Gilbert, but little things in that fight, like I knew that it would hit the floor. And, and uh, I really wanted to see how it would go down there. And we did see some of the scrambles that I expected. And uh, I'm really, I mean, Gilbert's endurance. How old is Gilbert? How old is he? He's in his mid thirties. Um, you know, and we, I do happen to work with his strength and conditioning coaches, JC and Rio Santana down here at the Institute of human performance. So I can speak to that a little bit. Um, he was in the shape of his life. You know, he was 188 pounds lean and mean when he left them after their final session and, uh, was obviously able to eat a lot leading up to the fight. I will tell you guys, you know, when those two fighters enter the octagon, they were only separated by 10 pounds. So those who thought that Hamzat was going to blow up overnight and be much bigger than Gilbert, that wasn't necessarily the case. But yeah, Maddie, I think a lot of people wanted to see maybe a little more grappling, you know, just to see how the strength and how the transitions would play out. Um, but I guess what gave me pause, you know, in telling people like rush to the window to bet on Gilbert was really just the size. You know, I knew he had put in the right work, but obviously Gilbert is one of the smaller welterweights in that top 10. So I was sort of wondering how he was going to navigate that part of the fight. But uh, yeah, couldn't have any more respect for Gilbert Burns, you know, prior to the fight. And, um, you know, I think that's a Hall of Fame fight. You know, if Gilbert Burns doesn't get into the Hall of Fame on the merits of what he accomplishes as an individual, that fight's going to get him in the Hall of Fame. And I think that's pretty cool. His stock. I mean, hey, listen, his stock, if anything, it goes up. I mean, I thought that, that's that's not a fight that that lowers your stock. And right. you can tell Dana even even gave Gilbert Burns his uh, win, his win money also. Oh, he did. Yeah. I, how can anybody knock Gilbert for that fight? I mean, he was, I, I mean, uh, knock Shamayev. He said the hype train is over. Like he beat, I was I think number two guy. Gilbert was right. I'd like, and in a great fucking fight. Like, I mean, what do you, he's not going to run over everybody. It's, it's, it's not Mike Tyson in 1986. I mean, this is, these are all good fighters. 
And Hamzat, the type of prize fighter that he is, you know, part of him really does want to entertain and back up whatever he has said leading up to the fight. You know, his agenda, uh, even if it wasn't aligned with his teams, you know, he went in there wanting to knock Gilbert Burns out. And perhaps that wasn't the path of least resistance. But I do believe that Gilbert is a much better fighter than Hamzat thought he was, you know. Yeah. And even if you talk about, you know, Bilal Muhammad, who's going to headline this weekend, you know, stronger fighter, dogged pressure on the ground, but not necessarily skill for skill, as talented as a guy like Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns is probably one of the best 20 or so pound for pound fighters in the world. So I don't know that anybody should be surprised. Um, And candidly, I don't know that if they fought 10 times, the result would be much different. I mean, maybe they would catch each other in one or two of those matchups. But I think those guys, if they fought 10 times, Chimaev and Burns would would be very competitive against one another. It is weird, too. It's almost like you said people wanted to see more grappling. It's almost like Colby's first fight with uh, Usman. I, I don't know exactly why, but neither one of them seemed to want to grapple. Either they wanted to prove something standing up or I, maybe when you know somebody else is that good at what you do, there's a huge risk in, uh, in testing them. I don't know what exactly was in their mind uh, for that first fight. Yeah. And certainly I think for Gilbert, his methodology was going to be to try to, you know, use leg locks or whatever means necessary to get back to his feet. It's not though as though he was going to necessarily try to engage in that realm, but I don't have to tell Matty Gilbert's got a lot of different submissions. He is so comfortable fighting off of his back and, you know, perhaps she might have didn't necessarily want to uh, play with the poison down there. Um, but yeah, I think the stock for both men really goes through the roof. And part of the reason why Gilbert was so bullish about taking this fight is because he doesn't lose anything, right? If you want to take his number two ranking and make Gilbert Burns number six in the world, go ahead, right? He's getting a big fight next. He might not get the Covington fight now, but Gilbert Burns is going to get a big fight, whether it's main event or a top weight contender. So uh, I do think Burns is going to be heard from, even if this is somewhat of a setback in terms of the immediate, you know, pecking order. Let me, Jimmy, I want to bring up uh, Mackenzie Dern versus Tisha Torres. I am not against jumping to guard if you have jujitsu like Mackenzie Dern. When she had that, when she jumped to guard, she had that fucking Kimura. She had that Kimura, Jimmy. I got so excited. (laughs) How about this? I was yelling to my girls uh, because of my kids there. I'm like, yo, I go, if the hand hits the floor, look away. I was afraid that, listen, did you ever see a a broken shoulder with a Kimura? A shoulder lock? Do you ever see how that looks? It don't look pretty, Jimmy. Right. Oh, shit. I'll tell you some shit to Google. Johnny knows. Johnny's yeah. seen some stuff over in Japan. Listen, oh. Johnny, you ever see a shoulder lock come out? With him? You ever see? How about this? Minotauro versus uh, Frank Mir. Yeah. That fight. Oh. And I got to tell you, the next morning I was in an elevator. I was walking in an elevator and Minotauro was in the elevator. And what does he do? The elevator's closing on me. Sticks out his other arm. To make sure that I got in the elevator while he's in a full cast with the other arm. I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. Um, Yeah, I mean, other than a horse birth, that's about the nastiest thing you can find on the Internet, you know. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I love watching Mackenzie Dern fight. You know, I still think and disappointedly in 2022, grappling is still an acquired taste for some of our fan base. To me, like Mackenzie Dern is one of my most favorite fighters to watch compete. Now, I could make an argument that Tisha Torres won rounds one and three. I know that isn't the public opinion. Um, but again, you know, close fight. I am okay with them giving it to Mackenzie Dern. 
And I just think, man, like she's got to just stick to what got her here, Matt. I don't know if you guys and Jim disagree or agree. Uh, I'm all for her developing her striking game with Jason Perillo and her hands help her jujitsu. She says that all the time. Um, but she needs to try to grapple people. And if her wrestling gets to a really, really high level, I think she's going to be a UFC champion. Well, you look at a guy like, again, we, and, I, and Cormier has touched on this, and I've mentioned this before, where they say you just get addicted or it feels so good to knock somebody out. Like, you look at Roy Nelson. I mean, Roy, Roy Nelson was a black belt, and he very, very rarely, if ever, would go to the ground. And people boo, like they were booing. I want. I think it was oh, Madsen and um, uh, Pichelle. They were booing that because it was, I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, this was a great fight. Oh, I love Vince Purcell, man. Holy shit. Yeah. Is his name right, John? Yeah. yeah, Vince Pichelle, from yeah. Hell Pichelle. Yeah, I mean, you know, I try to not be Jimmy like ornery in that seat when people start booing. Yeah. Uh, and candidly, there was a time, and I might have told you guys this before, when I was a boxing journalist, you know, early 2000s, didn't have a lot of appreciation for grappling and mixed martial arts and wrestling. And, um, you know, so may, I wasn't booing it necessarily, but there was a time in my life where I wanted to just see them stand and trade. And I do get very frustrated when early on in fights, immediately when there's grappling or wrestling, the bluebirds come out, you know, take a pull, relax. They'll be striking soon. When you think of Nganu Lewis, that was a fight I was at. And I understood why people were booing. That was a really bad fight. Huh. You'll, you'll get a fight once in a while where they're not grappling. They're just kind of avoiding engagement for whatever reason. Then I could see people after like, you know, three minutes into the first round going, hey, what the fuck? But uh, yeah, when two people are on the floor and they're fighting for position and I was like, what are you guys booing? I don't understand. Maybe it's, it's, it's different when you're watching it on TV. I'm right there. But even when I've been in fights, it never occurred to me to not be happy with that. Right. And, you know, one thing that bothers me, guys, is the inconsistency with the referees in terms of how they navigate those some those situations. You know, some guys and Joe Rogan and I are very much aligned on this, you know. We feel like fighters should have to work their way out, whether it's in a clinch situation or on the ground, that the referee shouldn't be able to interrupt the action for stalling. Now, most people disagree with us on that. I guess for me, I'm just looking for referees to be consistent in those situations. You know, some of these guys get as annoyed as the fans and they got the quickest trigger in the world. Other guys like Keith Peterson, shout out to the no nonsense Keith Peterson, lets the guys work. Because he's a wrestler and knows the damn game, you know? So I don't know. I feel like we got to get to a consistent place with the referees. And I think that would help things. I'll take an umpire with a strike zone. So, I'm sorry, Matt. You, you're never going to get one that calls it exactly the same. This guy likes it low and outside. They'll call it a strike every time. And there's nothing you can do. That one, I think they probably would be hard for them to fix. Hey, that Vince, Vince Pichel, let me just say, that I like, I like during the fight when he threw something. He's like, yeah, you better watch, motherfucker. Uh -huh. yeah. That guy, dude, I love the mustache. No, because he's a quiet guy, I think, yeah. out of side. So he's got to get some props. I know he, you know, he kind of messed up in the last round because he was yeah. so gung-ho and he was going to be handing Matt's in his first, his first loss in there. He was on his way to doing yeah. it. He was on his way to doing it. And between rounds, I was getting fucking pumped up. Oh, I was getting pumped up, man. I loved, I loved him being like, oh, he's brazy. He was telling his corner, I got him now. He's done. Dude, he's that dude reminds me of like a fucking, a guy in an old fucking cowboy saloon that fucking someone, I don't know, stole his cat. I don't know. I'm not making up a backstory. But he's one of those fucking an old throwback tough guy. He's an old soul. He's 39 years of age. Of course, he dates to the only live, live season of The Ultimate Fighter with Ally Quinta back in 2012. And that was the only season that I hosted, obviously, because it was live. So I have a particular attachment to those guys. 
So I don't mind being critical of Vince here. And I, I will say, I just don't think he's as attached to winning and losing as Marco Madsen is. And I thought he got a little bit overconfident after that second round. You know, Vince Pichel, for the first time in his UFC career, was really on a path to the rankings here. And, you know, I thought he was actually correct in some respects that he thought that that Madsen was gassing and he was done after round two. Um, but I thought he got a little bit overconfident, didn't fight a great third round. And now that kind of closes the book on him as far as contention is concerned at 39 years old. But that being said, you know, he's just happy to enjoy himself after the fact, put something in the air, whatever he's doing. Whereas Marco Madsen, had he been on the wrong side of that decision, would be crying in his Cheerios, you know, and maybe, you know, that's neither here nor there. But I was a little bit disappointed because, you know, Vince was about to take his O and, um, you know, I thought it was there for the taking. What do you think about, uh, I mean, I can't wait for 274, uh, Gaethje Oliveira. Uh, that, that fight makes me nervous for Gaethje, even though he's, he's tough. This is, you know, there's nobody more brutal than Justin Gaethje. But Oliveira, is, I think, is a, tough, a really tough matchup for him. What do you think of the fight? I think it's going to be a busy fight week for Justin Gaethje fighting not that far from Safford, Arizona, where he grew up. I mean, it's a home game, but I wonder if part of Gaethje would have preferred, you know, T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. There's going to be a lot of noise for Justin Gaethje. And... He's just fighting a prime and still primal Charles Oliveira. You know, Charles Oliveira seems to have a championship hunger and motivation, not unlike a guy that doesn't have the belt. So I think that's scary. I do think Oliveira has more ways to win. Um, but, you know, Justin Gaethje, you know, your favorite fighter's favorite fighter uh, is never to be discounted. And uh, yeah, fascinating stylistic matchup and uh, probably one of the more intriguing headlining acts that we have, I think, on the calendar coming up in the next few months. I wonder if the, one of the, and again, besides wanting to win and be champion, I wonder if Oliveira is motivated by similar things as Kamara Usman, where as these guys don't get mentioned the way they should, and they don't get the respect uh, that they deserve. Uh, and they're both very dominant champions, uh, more so Usman, but they don't get, you wonder if that motivates a guy a little bit more. Uh, that's got to be very frustrating to not get the respect that you feel you deserve. I think it's a great point. It's been a huge motivator for Alexander Volkanovsky, and he understands that Pound-for-pound pound greatness and title defenses obviously are, are inexorably linked with generational wealth. So if he keeps winning those fights, in theory, he's taking care of his kids. But you're absolutely right. And I think for Charles Oliveira, now he's made some millions and he understands what type of change he can affect with that money and the favelas with his family. And that becomes very addicting, you know? So if that Conor McGregor payday were to materialize for Charles Oliveira, I know a big segment of our fan base doesn't want to hear that noise. Um, but, you know, this guy can change a lot of lives, not just his own. And he's changing them right now in Brazil. I'd rather see uh, I'd rather see Gaethje Connor. That's the fight, man. I went for six years. I've been screaming for that fight. That's the fight I want to see more than than anything. You know, what's Shit. interesting when sorry, Maddie, when Maddie and I taped our 2020 year in review, my dream fight for 2021 was Kamzat Chimaev versus Colby Covington. And now two years later, you yeah, know, what? you're going to get it. Uh, oh shit! You're a regular Notre Dame there, Attic. No, I'm <laughs> alone. Hey, hey, it's fucking five years ago. How come we didn't do that thing this year? By the way, the fuck? I don't know. We I did that like three uh, years in a row. People loved it. I think you cost too much. I don't know. <laughs> I think I just like to hang out in Vegas with you, huh. uh, John Attic. What is people? I was going to say. Speaking of Ray, uh, changing lives, what about Ray Longo? How many champions does he have now? Three? Are we losing? Uh, it's incredible. Well. Yeah. Well, certainly we know who broke through for him for the first time back in 2008, but it really is incredible because 
You know, there are a lot of coaches that get a lot of credit for different things. And obviously you and Ray, the way you guys navigate those corners, there's nothing like it. I know you had a conflict and that's why you weren't with us there in Jacksonville. Um, But it's nice for me to see Ray get some of the shot, you know, because he's not going to necessarily, you know, give you 60 seconds of like the most verbal stuff in the world. Like he's not there to like toot his own horn. Keep it simple. Give Aljo a message about the body kick. Try to manage his energy, motivate him and pass the mic to Iaquinta. He's not an ego guy. And so to see him get this type of shine, obviously as a guy who has been on our podcast for seven years, dating to episode one every week is very fulfilling. And, uh, you know, he doesn't take the shine. Um, so I'm glad that it's coming his way, whether he likes it or not. And uh, let me add also, Raging Ally Aquinta. Yeah. And Marab uh, and uh, Dennis Bazooka. Yeah. I, I was very secure with that. I was, I, he had his, his, his team with him. And uh, I love having Raging Al as a third. Or when Al was fighting, having Aljo as a third. I yes. love that. Yeah. It was, you know why? Because you're, you're, you're totally in sync. You know, that foxhole is your people. And uh, I, 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 I was so happy with uh, just the whole camaraderie because you know Peterian, who I respect very much, I enjoy watching that guy fight. I'm not yeah. now that Aljo even won the second fight uh, uh, the way he did. He's the champ. I'll say it even more. I love watching Peterian fight. How could you cannot be a fan of the sport and not respect yeah. that guy? That guy, that guy's not made for anything else. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> that fucking guy. Right. Yeah, that guy. That guy is a little savage. So. Yeah. Um, for Aljo to go in and did what he did, and and uh, oh, I think this. What I was getting at is it's kind of stupid of him to say that shit about the team, though. The fuck's he thinking? You know, <laughs> I'm not even there. I was, I was I was thinking about getting on a plane just to back up Longo in case one of these fucking guys did something stupid. Dude, don't right. be threatening people. Don't say stupid shit. You don't yeah. gotta. You're not building the fight that way. You're just being silly. Yeah. I'm just saying that. Like yeah. I, mean, I gotta. I'm not worried about Marab in the dark alley. Nothing, but fuck yeah. Longo. Unless he's carrying one of his blades, I get a little. Yeah. You know, Right. I get, fuck off. What do I got to worry about this guy getting fucking yeah. Ray can't guys. run away anymore. He can't run away. Olongo doesn't have to run. You ever see that guy? On the, yeah, on the, no, I know. You know, not the big. You ever see him on the wooden dummy? Anyway. Yeah, I did see a video back in the day. But yeah, you're right. And, uh, you know, I think sort of as Jimmy said off the top of the show, th- this fight is probably going to come around again. But at least for now, Aljo's able to close this chapter. And it's just got to feel so good. Because Aljamain Sterling, whether you like it or not, and I know this isn't a popular opinion, but he did absorb 90% of the public wrath for his opponent's foul. And it really was a screwed yeah. up situation and a situation unlike anything we've seen in UFC history before. An undisputed title would never change hands on a DQ like that. So I'm just happy that Aljo is able to sort of enjoy this and feel like the real undisputed champion um, because he hasn't lost a fight in five years. And, uh, you know, I think Pioriano will have another chance, but it's it's going to take some time. Was that, uh, oh my, was that, um, was Marlon Rice the last fight he lost? Was that the five fucking years ago? Wow. And uh, John, I noticed something in that first round. Everybody's like, that first round is really the one. Right. You have to judge, because we know Aljo won two of them. That, hey, you could say, well, hey, a 10-8 round, you could argue that. You, you could say, well, he didn't really do damage with him. Yeah, but he controlled them the whole fucking round. If they didn't break that up, he'd still be on his fucking back. Right. I mean, well, there has to be something said for that. I've got you. I'm not letting you out. I'm holding you as long as I want. You're not doing. What am I doing to you? What are you doing? You might have good defense, 
but you're not fucking getting out, dude. You're not even getting close to getting out. Right. So, I mean, there's something that should be said for that compared to, I mean, that's getting scored as like a round that's, that could be like the fifth round where you could actually make an argument for uh, Aljo. I don't, I mean. Yeah. I, I mean, the scoring system is so flawed guys, right? I know we don't have that much time, but like, if you think about if round one is 10, nine Sterling, Round two can't be 10-9 Sterling, right? Because it was way more dominant than round one. So that's the problem, you know, that those rounds numerically, that just doesn't make sense. And candidly, guys, the reason why I don't like the scoring conversation is because John McCarthy and Kenny Florian are two of the guys that I trust the most. And they are both so convicted in thinking different guys won round one. McCarthy says, without a shadow of a doubt, Kyrian won round one. And Ken Flo says, I just went back and watched it. Definitely Aljo won round one. So what does that tell you, you know? It tells me that John McCarthy also says that, uh, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not an acting coach or anything, but I think that first fight with Aljo. So whatever, John McCarthy. Oh, I didn't know that he had there said that. Well, there you go. Whatever you want to uh-huh. say. Mr. Expert referee, whatever. But no, you're right. There is a case for a 10-8 in round two for Aljamain Sterling. And I don't know. I just think we need an overhaul, guys. There's not enough room for these judges to properly numerically score these rounds. You notice in that first round the difference between the first fight and the second fight. And I noticed that immediately, and it made me very happy. Yeah. It made me at ease at home being like, okay, right. all right, this is going to this is gonna be – I knew immediately it's going to be different the way Aljo paced himself in that first round. He wasn't – I don't know the, I don't know any numbers. I don't look at – I'm not that stats guy. I didn't look at anything – he was out striking him the first round. I don't give a fuck. He was landing the better kicks. He landed the more precise shots, and he and he did it while on the bicycle the whole time. You could argue, hey man, he was Peter Jan was stalking him that whole first round. Yeah, but he was stalking him, but unaffectedly in a sense where he didn't get nothing off. I don't think he had anything off. Aljo rolled with everything, so Aljo got the better strikes off, and he did it while being mobile. And the first fight, he was so just trying to crack that shell and trying to get through to him. And it might've looked cool, but it's not cool for a five round fight. I was proud of the way he, how he was able to do that, especially with a fight like this, with all the lead up to control himself and control that output, how much to put out. I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think you put that perfectly juxtaposed against Piotr Jan, who came out uncharacteristically wild and headhunting and, you know, I didn't think Piotr Jan fought a great fight early, and Aljo deserves credit not just for the way he fought early, but also for maybe emotionally occupying a little space inside Piotr Jan's head and forcing sort of that type of approach early on. So, well, Jimmy, I'll just ask, I'll ask both of you guys, what the fuck is what I'm up with people, man? We're in Florida, and they're fucking booing Aljo, and they're fucking, I mean, listen, whether he's from Russia or from where, I mean, I don't know, man, like, you're really booing your... What do they not like about Aljo? Booing your countrymen. Well, I mean, come on, man. Like, Well, there's a lot of layers. There's a lot of layers to that, right? I mean, Aljamain Sterling wasn't the most beloved individual prior to that first meeting with Piotr Jan. And obviously, that didn't... I'm just saying like it is. I mean, but I got why, a lot of haters why? too. Why do you think know. that is? It's, well, I, I really don't know. I mean, why is any fighter beloved and and other fighters not so much. I really don't know. I mean, maybe he's a little bit quirky, but I think Aljo's the total package, you know? I mean, I've been supporting the guy since day one, thinking that he would be a future UFC champion. So I don't know why uh, why he doesn't have the fan base that I think he should, but obviously UFC 259, that first meeting with Jan, didn't do him any favors in terms of the court of public opinion. 
But I would also say, Jimmy, I don't know if you agree with this, but, you know, in this melting pot that is the United States of America, as happy as I was to hear the USA chant in Jacksonville, you know, we root for the Red Sox and the Yankees and for our cities and teams. But, you know, there's a lot of Americans that love Piotr Jan and candidly, like I can understand why they like him, you know. But yes, I was surprised that Alja was so vehemently booed. I would say sometimes I think that was them making that noise might have been more anti-Aljo than pro Piotr Jan. And I really don't know the answer either. I, because I, I, again, I know Aljo. So he's such a nice dude, a likable guy. Like I can't imagine. It's almost like, why would people boo Uriah Hall, who I really like? Like once in a while, we have the advantage of knowing guys. Like the fun part of doing this podcast is that I get to know these guys who I just love watching fight. Uh, but I, I, you lose the ability to see it from a pure point of view of someone who has never met them like like so i don't know what i would see if i didn't know him but i look at like he's a guy i really like and i love watching him fight so i don't know why somebody wouldn't i really don't now john you're on a sinking ship to your right you know you're like a little tugboat now you got off the ship and you see longo sinking to the right and you see kenny florian to your left who you got to make a decision and you're not and you're in a you're in a little boat though. i know you're not saving longo on a boat what who would you go to Kenny Florian, I'm saving every day of the week. I don't even need any time to uh, answer that question. <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. Can we just say the Longo Minute on the infamous Anakin Florian podcast, the Longo Minute is a big part of that show. How dare, are you saying to huh. me that you would let Longo drown and you would fucking save Kenny? Yes. Every day of the week. I mean, I got to go with the guy that uh, that I go further back with. Right. I mean, Ken Flo's my day one. I mean, certainly Longo's a close second. You're not giving me a tertiary option. Um, but also my guy, Ken Flo, you know, no longer with the UFC. I mean, I got to throw my guy a bone, Maddie, you know. Isn't he doing the thing with the robots? Is he still doing the robot thing? He's doing the robot fighting, and he has found another mixed martial arts commentary job, thankfully. But no, in all seriousness, when we launched the Anakin Florian podcast in 2015, as a Boston guy, I wanted a little New York flavor on the podcast. And I was friendly with Longo, but I wanted to coach his segment, and he was my first choice. And I was busy, though. Did yeah, you you oh, your star. I was I was too starstruck to approach Matt Sarah back in the day. Uh, but I still considered you more of a fighter than a coach at that at that point in time. You know, so I was looking for a coach who hadn't fought in the UFC. And Longo wasn't a media mogul at that time. Right. He wasn't doing a lot of media, but I obviously saw a lot of value in him. And um, yeah, I mean, it was pretty emotional for me, obviously, seeing that on Saturday night, just really for him, you know, more than anything else. So, um, you know. You guys got a big fan in me, and I was happy to get the chance to obviously congratulate you off the top today, my man. Well, I mean, we're going to Eddie's this Thursday. Are you in the neighborhood? We I'm have room for one more. Care. Are you in the neighborhood, Jimmy? <laughs> so I, but, but I, uh... I'm only kidding, Jimmy. Jimmy, listen to me. Yes, I'm going to get something. I'm going to bring some leftovers. I'm going to come to visit you. We're, we go to Eddie's now. This is like, listen, it's a little, it, they got some ball pies there. This Italian food at Eddie's. I don't know if you heard about Eddie's, John Attic. Oh, this is not the first time I've heard about Eddie's. Yeah, Has we've Arnold heard about Eddie's. Talking about this. Has Raging Al been on the yeah. phone talking to you about Eddie's? Yep. Rob? Not we love it. Listen to me. We, what? I haven't heard from Marab. Well, Marab will tell you. He's there. And the chicken, all I know is the last time I was there, I, I've been regretting it ever since. <laughs> I did not get the chicken poem. Oh. And I seen uh, Volante and, and Raging Al got that chicken. And they, when they took a bite of it, they go, 
They looked at each other like they both found heaven. They go, this is the best chicken club. I go, motherfucker, I should have. Anyway, we're getting off topic. Yes. Good seeing you, buddy. What do you want to plug? He wants to plug some shit. I don't have anything to plug. I mean, what about that podcast you were talking about? Yeah, the podcast. It's live. It's up on our YouTube channel. And uh, I'm excited to get back to Vegas for Rob Font Cheeto Vera later this month. One more sleep merchandise at millions.co if that floats your boat. But um, no, it's a great time to be in this sport. It really is. You know, there's so much that goes into these live events. And sometimes it's hard to sort of lean into the fun of it because I'm working so hard. But that was a really rewarding night on Saturday. And uh, I'm happy for you guys, my man. And before we let you go. What are you watching with the wifey? What are you watching at home? Give me a series. I don't watch anything at home. I have three kids one and under. No, I mean, I did watch Love is Blind on Netflix. That was the last show I watched. But no, I mean, I really honestly, I don't have a lot of time. I mean, the Celtics and the Bruins are obviously about to embark on the uh, the playoffs. So that will occupy a lot of my evenings. And I'm excited for uh, for baseball season to be back because I bet on baseball every single day for six months, even though I don't watch it. So um you know, I'm excited. I'm excited to bet on sports. I'm excited to the playoffs, NFL draft. We got a lot going on. Jo- Johnny, now, do you you have other commentary gigs or are you just doing the fucking – or you just watch it because you're a, you love the sport? I watch it just because I'm a diehard Boston sports fan. No, I don't – I am exclusive to the UFC right now. So, oh, fuck yeah, you are. That's because they uh-huh. love you. With me, they're like, do as many MMA podcasts as you want. We don't give a shit. And I'm like <laughs> – Johnny, favorite sport, Johnny, you like besides, besides obviously, MMA. What, what, what's your fan of all the balls? Football. Football is king. You, you like, Longo is still boycotting the NFL because of the whole Ka- Colin Kaepernick situation. But. I don't even know what that you're speaking Japanese to me. But listen to me. What I'm what do you like the most? Is it I don't I'm a guy I like violence too. I like the what is it when they get a little bit closer to the thing and what gets you so amped up about the football? You know what's interesting? My Wait, as, a, as a guy who's not a tell me. My least favorite part of the NFL is how violent it is. There's very few things in MMA that will make me turn away or cringe it happens every sunday in the nfl when these guys are darting at each other at 30 miles an hour with a helmet on the nfl scares me in terms of some of these hits my daughters come in the room asking if i'm okay but the nfl and the gambling and the fantasy football and obviously the new england patriots have brought a lot of joy to our region um but i just think those six hours on a sunday from and jimmy knows from 1 p.m to 7 p.m eastern for those 17 sundays you know, those are the most sacred hours of my year. And thankfully, because I'm calling UFC fights on Saturday, I'm allowed to be an NFL fan on Sundays. But I, I love the whole league. I love the television product. Next to the UFC, I think the NFL is the greatest television product for sure. Johnny, when there's a Saturday, like just like just last night, just Saturday just passed, I get so fucking excited. I fucking love it. I just I guess that's how you guys feel on Sundays. Well, I, don't you know, like I don't watch football anymore. I used to. Not really? anymore. Yeah, now I, I lost total interest. I was a Cowboy fan, and I just got bored with it. Like, um, I just like the fights so much more. And again, for, for you, John, you're at the fights working. I know you enjoy it, but I mean, for you, you need a decompressing breather. But for me, I'm still watching the fights much more from the outside as a fan. So for me, that's the only sports I really care no, about. I get point. it. And for me... You know, when I was not the number one guy and I wasn't calling pay-per-views, oftentimes they would have me on the desk hosting the pre and post fight shows. But there would be that rare pay-per-view that I would get to watch from home. And I should probably whisper this on your airwaves, but I do miss the chance to just sit back and watch a pay-per-view and recreationally do whatever I do because I don't get those fight nights 
you know, with my brothers or with my friends and family right. more. Um, and maybe there will come a time where that decision's out of my hands and I'm a football play-by-play guy and I get my Saturday nights back. But um, at least right now, I certainly have the job that I want. So. Well, you're great at it. Um, oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. Well done this weekend, man. I'm happy for you that you're there all the time. And uh, we'll talk to you again, John. You're, you're really great, man. You're, you're, uh, you're, you belong there as much as Joe does and, and love hearing you. That means a lot. I love coming on with you guys. Thank you for having me. Okay, pal. Take care. See Yo, you guys. Kenya, I said hello. I will, fella. See you guys. Uh, Thank be you. Be good, buddy. Thanks, Thanks John. Yeah, he really is great, man. I, I mean, I really enjoy his, his, his commentary. He's, he's just great. You got to love John Attic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Listen, I'm happy for Aljo. Oh, dude, how the fuck did we not talk about Volkanovski? We just, did. We did. We done. Yeah, we talked about it one time. Oh, we did a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right. You're right. I mean, listen, he's just, I mean, what could you say about Volkanovski? I just think that guy is just coming. I mean, he's really just getting, they, people say, oh, the guy gets better and better. And for him, it really, it's true. He's He's just. He is. There's no sign of this guy slowing down. And, uh. I, I'm man. I mean, I, I, nobody made Korean zombie look like that. No, he beat before, but he never looked like he didn't belong there. He didn't look like he belonged in that cage with uh, with Volkanovski. Yeah, he just he was so much faster. And uh, Volkanovski, look, I mean, he against Ortega to me, he really was impressive. Um, the second Max fight, I I thought Max absolutely won that fight, and I actually thought Max won the first one too. Maybe I'm just biased because I love Max. I should watch those back. But to me, people saying he's getting better it makes sense to me because uh, I was extremely impressed with Ortega and extremely impressed against uh, Chan Sung Jung. So it'll be interesting to see who he fights next. Jimmy had a fun time today. Always, yes. Thanks to Don Trump Jr. Um, coming on and. Uh, talking fights. I, I love talking about things that are different than what they're used to every day because it's got to get just boring. And, you know, the guy, if we had Trump senior on, I would literally want to talk fights 90% of the time more than politics. I don't, I, politics, I don't care about. I'm much more interested in talking fights. And I guarantee he would be um, willing to do that as far as, yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been in the office with Dana when he gets a call from, from, you know, Donald Trump, and he ran out and he comes back, man, he goes, yeah, he's asking me, he's talking about the, the Stipe fight over the weekend. Like, he was like, you know, yeah. he, talks, he talks to him like a fan. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, yeah, uh, he truly loves it. Yeah, no, he does enjoy it, so it's wild. Jimmy, what do you want to plug, buddy? Just going to Washington, D.C. this Thursday, Friday, Saturday to perform at the D.C. Improv, one of my favorite gigs, and um, we'll see you then. It was great. Matt, are you on Cameo? I'm throwing these punches, Jimmy. I like it. What do you think, Jimmy? What do you think? Come oh. back. Nah, I need new knees. Jimmy, I love you so much. I yeah, yeah, you, I'm on Cameo, Matt, Sarah, and then, uh, you know, SarahBJJ.com. Yes. <laughs> Jimmy, I'll see you soon, brother. A couple days. See you, pal. Thanks a lot. Bye, buddy. Bye. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.